I know what you are probably thinking. Are the Blue Bloods really back on Tom? And is my Monday instantly going to be better because of this? It's probably yes to the first question, but maybe not for the second. But we're going to go ahead, kick off this episode by breaking down the end of Maction in 2020. And then we're going to move on to discuss the latest of the college football stars that have opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID concerns. And we're going to end it a little bit different, only three segments today. We're going to end the show breaking down the new 2020 Pac-12 schedule that was just recently released. Guys, even with three segments, we always got a full show. So let's kick it off. So yesterday, the Mid-American Conference, or the MAC as most people know it by, announced that the 2020 football season will be postponed until spring of 2021, hopefully. they If COVID isn't wrapped up by the spring or they have a vaccine or a better way to treat it, uh, they could just cancel the, scene, the season just entirely. Um, Brett McMurphy of the stadium uh, reported that Northern Illinois – was the straw that finally broke the Mac. Um, we probably should hold a moment of silence at the end of this segment for Maction in 2020, but this was a huge domino due to the fact that now, apparently today, a little bit late yesterday, the Big Ten is trending on making a similar announcement that they're going to cancel their 2020 season. So, Brandon, I know the past two days have been terrible, but what's your take on this, and do you think – out of all conferences, the MAC is going to be the reason we don't have college football this year. You certainly hope not, right? I mean, the MAC has never really been uh, much of a leader, but more of followers. I mean, I understand they make a few steps out of the ordinary. Like, for instance, everyone loves MAC, and they play football on Wednesday nights. What's not to love about that? So that's the first thing. But I, I don't know <laughs> – if it'll be this kind of domino, I understand the Big Ten is in talks of canceling their season, but do you really think that the MAC is what's making them choose this? No, there's no chance, right? I, I mean, I, I mean, they're the Big Ten; they can make decisions on their own. Uh, you know, I, and from the reports I've heard, it's been like uh, I want to say, uh, I think it's Michigan who's leading the who's leading the charge on that for canceling the season. And if anyone knows Michigan very well, and Zach will be the first one to speak on this, uh, they just don't want to lose to Ohio State again. You know, they can't do it. If they do it, then uh, he's probably – Zach thinks he's fired. I don't think they can fire him. But that's, that's a, we've talked about that a thousand times. Go listen to any other episode if you want to hear that argument. Um, but I don't know. The, the Matt Kanslinger season seems odd. It seems odd to say that they're going to be the ones to lead this charge. Um, I don't know. I, I really, really hope not. I guess it's my answer to this one. Ah, man. I, so I guess it's Michigan. I mean, so there's no, so it's bad enough to lose to Ohio State normally, but the only thing worse is to lose to Ohio State in, in October now. Um, so, like, usually they get to lose to Ohio State, then they're going to go on, lose their bowl game to whoever they may play. It could be South Carolina, could be Florida, could be Bama, like last year. 
but now you get to lose to Ohio State, and you still have regular season games to play for. So it doesn't bode well for Michigan. I'm sure Harbaugh probably is. He complains about a lot of things, Brandon. Uh, you know, if if you told me there was a coach complaining about something, my first guess would always be Jim Harbaugh. I'd go with Dabo Sweeney. Oh well, he's a he's a very very easy second pick. But I mean, so this is not Mac Maxion stuff here. We'll get to that in a second. But Brandon, speaking of Harbaugh, what was your take on him and Ryan Day's situation? Did you see um, the exchange they had at the uh, Big Ten conference call? Yes, it's man. It, hey, Jim Harbaugh hey, needs to he needs he needs to stop talking. Is what he needs to do. Guys, in case you don't know, what we're talking about on the conference call. Apparently. Jim Harbaugh is also a dry snitch and um, supposedly was snitching on Ohio State for violating some sort of Big Ten rule. And Ryan Day told him to worry about his own team and not them and that they hope he hopes there's a mercy rule in the Big Ten next year because they're going to hang 100 on, the, on their bleep. Um, <laughs> well, now Michigan put that up in their locker room, Brandon. It's a big poster in the meeting room for What's Michigan. The- so they can look and, forward to that because it's going to happen. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, are you serious, Michigan? Like, you know, if I, you know, the Michigan players, Jim Harbaugh walked back in that locker room and the players were like, listen, we're going to have a team meeting. Sit down, Jim. Sit so, down. You, we talk. you better tighten up your khakis because we got We got something to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, back to Maxion. I mean, can we agree, Brandon? On, on This is real deal. This might sound like a joke to people who don't know me. Can we agree that Northern Illinois gets no more invites to the cookout? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're banned. They're, bi- they're banned from everything. They don't get a bowl game invite. They don't get a playoff. They don't, well, they weren't ever going to get a playoff invite. But it took Northern Illinois, Brandon, to shut down Maction. And, <laughs> and But it, on a more serious note, I mean, it does beg the question. I mean, do, does it really only take one team to bring these conferences down? It, it's starting to sound like it, right? I mean, so you're, you're the Big Ten. They have okay. So, so realistically, Brandon, how many national championship contenders do the Big does the Big Ten have this right year? Now? This year, I'd say Ohio State and uh, Penn State, probably. Well, Michael Parsons isn't playing, so just okay, Ohio State. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. And I mean, Minnesota had a big loss. Maybe Wisconsin if they find a way to replace Jonathan Taylor and that defense takes a net step. So let's just say two at max. We, I think we can both agree on that. Two at max. You have Ohio State, then maybe a dark horse. Um, so if Rutgers doesn't want to play, are we, are we shutting down the Big Ten? <laughs> yeah, if, if Maryland decides that they're sitting this one out, I mean, are we, are we going to cancel it? Well, so I looked at the odds. Um, so Northern Illinois wasn't even, I believe, in the top seven. In odds to win the MAC this year, right? And so you're letting a team that really wasn't probably going to compete for anything significant shut down an entire conference of schools. I mean, Brandon, is there any way? I, I don't even think the SEC was shut down if a high profile team like A and M said they weren't playing. Yeah, but I think I, I get what you're saying. But I think the Big Ten shuts down if Ohio State says they're not playing, and the SEC probably shuts down if Bama says they're not playing. Well, okay, well that's different. I mean, so that'd be like in the MAC this year, Buffalo was a huge favorite to win uh, the MAC this year. So that'd be like Buffalo uh, announcing they weren't playing. But if if you have a team that's not even in the top seven in your conference, then how do you let them decide? 
That's yeah, what I that's fair. understand. I mean, so and uh, Brandon, I know you saw this. We we kind of we, we didn't really talk about it outside of the podcast, but we both knew about it. We shared it with each other. I mean, the unofficial report that if the Big Ten, which is the odds-on favorite to shut down the season next, and then I think they said the Pac-12 maybe, if the Big Ten shuts down. Teams like Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, they're, Nebraska, they're going to be looking for new conferences. And yeah. how much money could this lose, like the Big Ten or the Pac-12, if they shut down? Because not only, Brandon, will you have players or, or teams that leave, what about the players that transfer? Yeah, I mean, players that transfer. And I think another very valid question right now is how much money does this make <laughs> for the uh, for the commerce that takes on Ohio State or takes on Michigan or takes on whoever is is going to uh, shut down their conference, uh, a lot of money. I mean, so uh, so I'm trying to think. So I think the ACC, the only team that can maybe possibly leave, I think it's going to be teams with national championship potential because I think rebuilding teams like. Florida State or Washington, who has a bunch of new pieces, or a team like Arizona not going to compete, or uh, who's a Big 12 team, or Baylor or something like that, I don't think those teams would leave. They're going to be okay with taking a year off and getting everything together, but why would Clemson, Oregon, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, why would these teams want to sit out when all these teams are going to be preseason top 15 and have a real shot at a national title. Why would you want to take a year off and risk that? Uh, You wouldn't. I I mean, and we see that becoming abundantly clear. I mean, I know this is yesterday for everybody listening, but, but Trevor Lawrence tweeted out today saying we want to play. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's abundantly clear that these contenders are wanting to take the field. So yeah, I mean, to your point, um, the teams that could shut down a conference probably aren't going to uh, opt out of the season this year. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I mean, so, Brandon, another thing is, um, you know, the MAC was already scheduled to lose over $10 million in payments due to just, just um, I guess, out-of-conference games against Power 5 teams being canceled. And so this could have far, far-reaching implications for – the schools involved here, I mean, Title IX implications. I mean, so the thing is, is so if a sport like women's tennis is canceled, that means a men's sport has to also be canceled because you have to keep that balance. So just because it might not affect football per se or baseball or basketball, I mean, there's some of these other athletes who are on scholarship getting an education that re- that could be out of a scholarship very soon. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. I, I can't help but feel like maybe – the Title IX rules might might be overlooked a little bit this season uh, for some sports, but yeah, I get what you're saying. And uh, we've had this segment on the podcast. We're not going to get too deep in it, but I'm still real skeptical about spring football, man. I mean, yes, there's not a lot of NFL prospects in the in the MAC, but if the Big Ten tries to move to the spring, that could be that that could spell real danger for some of these Big Ten teams. Yeah, that's fair. Because what's there to play for? If you're the only conference that cancels, you're not playing for a national championship at that point, right? So I, I just I don't know, but like like Kublik said, like you have said, spring action is going to be a hit on TV. 
Oh man, I'll watch it. This actually happens. I mean, NFL is going to be probably done. NBA is still going to be a pre All Star break most likely, and there's a huge gap for football content because the XFL, yes, it got bought by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but that's not going to be ready to roll out next year. Oh um, man, do you think so? You think he's going to roll it out in in a few months? Wait, I mean, who knows? Ah, ah. I think I'm. I, don't, I think I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. I think that's gonna be a whole another year before that happens. I mean, I guess we're gonna minimal, see minimal. But we're gonna go ahead and move on here, guys. Talk about another sad, sad segment here until we get into some more upbeat college content. But as of 12 p.m. today. Over 30 players have opted out of the 2020 college football season, and this includes some of the biggest stars in college football. I mean, Rondell Moore at Purdue, Michael Parsons, Penn State, Gregory Rousseau at Miami, Rashad Bateman, Minnesota, Neil Farrell, LSU. I mean, all have decided to opt out and prepare for the NFL draft. Some younger players have opted out, but they're planning on using either their redshirt year or hoping the incident play gives them an extra year of eligibility, and they're going to come back and play next season or into the future. Um, but we're still waiting on the incident play to decide that, and other players such as Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have released statements that they're 100% locked in on the next season, and Tre- let me just to say the least, Trevor Lawrence has been outrageously vocal about that we should have a college football season this year. I mean, Brandon sent me a few tweets. I mean, this dude's tweeting like every 30 minutes, reminding people that we should have football. Like, and, yeah, don't, don't forget, football is scheduled right now. So Exactly. exactly. And, and, De- and other big-time names. I mean, Deion Sanders called out everybody for opting out. Yeah, it said that the game's bigger than them and all this. And we'll break that down in a second. But, Brandon, what's your take on this? And what team do you think has suffered the biggest loss so far? Uh, Penn State, <laughs> and it's not close, has suffered the biggest loss so far. And Micah Parsons, I mean, potentially the best uh, college football player in, in you know that would have played this year opted out. Um and so, yeah, that, that's a big game changer for Penn State. Uh, they're not going to be the same team. Um, they, like, and, and like, like I said uh, during the last segment, when I was talking about how Penn State might be a national championship contender, then I remembered he opted out, and then I immediately said, "Well, never mind, not him, <laughs> not Penn State." Uh, no, not at all. I mean, that's how big of a difference it is. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so obviously, I mean, to me, it's it's far and away Penn State has has suffered the biggest loss so far. Um, and I'm sorry. What was the first question? I got hung up on that. Oh, it was just what? What's like your overall take on this? Uh, I get it. I guess you know. I hate to see these players opt out just because I'm selfish and I want to watch really good football. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I get it. You know, uh, I mean, Neil uh, Neil Farrell. Uh, you know, he tweeted out. Uh, he was either last night or this morning. I remember reading it and. and um, you know, he talked about how his family is susceptible um, and they're kind of in a high risk demographic. And so for that reason, he's going to sit out, you know, and I was, I was trying to find a negative comment. You know, I couldn't find a single negative comment from LSU fans and I'll be the first to admit LSU fans kind of suck sometimes. So, you know, I felt like they would be kicking this kid while he was down, but I mean, everyone was uplifting him talking about, you know, do what's best for your family, do what's best for you. And he's coming back next season. You know, he, he mentioned that in the tweet too, which I'm sure gave a lot of people hope. Um, but I mean, that's going to leave a big hole in LSU's defense, but, but I get it. 
You know, these kids don't want to catch this virus. They don't want to pass it on to their loved ones. They don't want to, uh, they don't want to spread it. And, and I can't, I can't fault a kid for not wanting to do that. Um, now, if it's a thing where these kids aren't wanting, if they're using this as kind of like an excuse to be like, well, I don't even have to play uh, this season, you know, because there's a pandemic, but you know, if, if their true intentions are, Hey, I don't want to go out there and play this season. I'm just going to go on to the NFL and get paid. I mean, that that's, that's a different conversation, I believe. But if it's strictly, Hey, I don't want to catch this disease. I don't want to spread it. I don't want to uh, put my family in danger. I 100% understand. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I understand, like you said, the reasoning behind these decisions because a lot of these players, especially players like Micah Parsons, Rondale Moore, et cetera, et cetera, what do they have to gain? Yeah. Can Micah Parsons go out on the field and improve his stock any more than he already has? No. I mean, I, look, the kid's great. He's a fantastic football player, and he's going to go on the NFL and do big things, I think. Um, but – if he would have gone out and played this year, is there is there a single way that he could have impressed us? I mean, we've hyped him up so much. Is there is there truly a way that you think that he could have impressed us this season? Not, like, not even. No, there's nothing he could do to change my mind that he's not the greatest linebacker in the in college football right now. And for me, I mean, especially because they didn't get this the whole spring summer to prepare the same. So a lot of these players could have. Sh- went out there and not played as well as we expected. And it wouldn't have really been their fault. Right. And so I get it for these big guys. I get it for players. You know, there was a rumor. I'm not going to confirm or deny it that one of the Auburn players that opted out did it because Auburn's losing two of their best linebackers to the draft after this year. And the player said he wasn't going to play, take his red shirt, quote unquote, and then come back next year and he'll have the starting spot. Yeah. So you also use it like that, and I, you know, I don't mind that. It, it is what it is. But you know, s- selfishly, like you said, I'm upset because I was looking forward to seeing a lot of these players play. I mean, Gregory Rousseau. I've mentioned him on the podcast, and I had people come up to me. It's like I've never even heard of this kid, and now right. no one gets to ever see him suit up for Miami again. Um, right. and same with like Micah Parsons. I mean, uh, it the the real deal hardcore Costwell fans knew who Micah Parsons was, but a, a guy who watches his favorite team play might not have known who Micah Parsons was. And, and Rashad Bateman, that's, he was going to be one of the best wide receivers in the country and no one gave him any credit because he played for Minnesota. And, yeah. and listen, Rondale Moore is the one I'm most upset about. We got one year Rondale Moore, Brandon, let that sink in. He got hurt last year, missed the entire season. And now he's gone. You get, you got, I believe he played 14 games at Purdue and was one of the most explosive players in the country. You get 14 games of him, and he doesn't ever get to suit up for Purdue again. It's just, it's just such a sad, sad situation, man. I, I literally hate this so much. But I, I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with two teams here. Like you said, Penn State. It's hard to argue against Penn State, man. I mean, how do you replace Michael Parsons? Right, like that school was on our list of the best linebacker unit in the country because Michael Parsons was just that good. Yeah. Is, is Penn state even in the top 10 now? No, 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 they're not. And like you said, 
I literally, I was t- like, we were, we're getting ready for predictions, guys. It's coming in like this next month or so. I don't know about you. I was really having a hard time not picking Penn State to really push Ohio State for the Big Ten championship. And now from with Michael Parsons going, I don't even know if they're a top three team in the Big Ten. No, look, my, I'm telling you, Michael Parsons was that good. And, and it's weird. And it's so weird because I don't think some people understand that because they're like, they lose a middle linebacker and they drop that far. And it, it if you're that good, if that if you're that much of a generational talent, yeah. Because I mean, if you take Isaiah Simmons off of Clemson, that team's not the same. No. And if if you take who, who's someone off of if you take Derek Stingley off of LSU's defense last year, that defense takes a drastic step back. Right. I mean, if you take him off the defense, if you take. Uh, I mean, even on the other side of the ball, without Joe Burrow, what is LSU last season? Well, I feel like quarterback's different. Like, everyone understands how much of an okay, impact well, quarterback is. But okay, then, just, then, then if we were to talk about, I mean, if you took if you took Justin Jefferson off the team, then what? Yeah, and even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I feel like he was underrated. If you take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire off that team, I think LSU loses to Auburn. Right. I think LSU could have lost to Alabama down the stretch because – People forget the Alabama game. Yes, LSU jumped way ahead. Claude Edwards-Hilaire carried that team late in the fourth quarter to close that game out. If you take right. Claude Edwards-Hilaire off that team, LSU could be a two-loss team last year. And I'm not saying that just because I'm an Auburn fan or I wanted LSU to lose or anything like that. But like those two games, Claude Edwards-Hilaire made a ridiculous impact. And you can even look at the Florida game. The Florida game is where I, I at least I thought – Edwards Hilaire really took that step forward against Florida. And that's where like I started noticing him like, hey, this kid has a serious impact on this offense. Yeah. And even if you took someone like Thaddeus Moss off, he, yes, he might not have even been a top three, top four target for Joe Burrow, but there were times where Joe Burrow relied on him to make plays. That's true. And it, I, I know it's hard to believe. And that's why I also have Miami here because Gregory Rousseau, I could see – I said Miami could compete for the ACC title because that defensive line was that good. Well, you take Rousseau away, I don't know if Miami even finishes top five in the ACC now. Yeah, no, I mean, that's 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 a fair enough point. I mean, he was he was really going to be a game changer. And I, I just – it just it kills me, man. I hate to see this. But, you know, I feel like it goes perfectly within this segment and this is kind of like – I guess just going off track here a little bit. I mean, so I know Deion Sanders comments really rub some people the wrong way. I'm sure you got the same kind of impression there, but what, like, what do you think his point that he was trying to get across was? And like, do you agree with his tweet? Do you think it should have been worded different? Like, what was your take on his like statement about players sitting out? Yeah, it definitely. I don't even know if it could have been worded differently. I just think his mindset's wrong. <laughs> He's acting like, He's acting like football is going to fix everything, and it's it's that's not the case. This is, this is a lot bigger than just football. Yeah, I know he he made a statement that football is bigger than this. It's I don't know if it is. You know, <laughs> I think I think it's a little short, um, a little short sighted. Uh, I, I think I don't know. I, I think it's very I, and you know as we said at the end of the segment, we I mean we both said that we selfishly want to see football this year. Yeah, but at least we mentioned that we selfishly want it. He he was acting like the players were being selfish for wanting to sit out to protect themselves and their families. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I I get what he was trying to say, and I think it came from a place of like, hey, I learned this as a player because he had this big personality. He was prime. He was, um, you know, he he thought that like, and I think what it's saying is, if you look at the NFL, I mean, Peyton Manning retired, Deion Sanders, um, Lawrence Taylor, like whoever, whatever great you want to say, it's like, man, how are we ever going to get another? prime or another Lawrence Taylor and then someone like Aaron Donald comes along someone like Pat Mahomes comes along it's just like you, you thinking that you're opting out is changing something or like hey this makes a bigger impact it's like yeah it might impact your team for a year but I think he was just trying to say that like hey like and I don't so and listen I don't know if he was directly talking about just the players who opt out or even talking about like the Pac-12 protest and saying like even if y'all sit out the game's bigger than you. Like you're not gonna like you sitting out is not gonna change what football is. And I, I and I feel like this is where people get in trouble. I don't know how you feel about this, Brandon. I feel like when Twitter limits how much you can put in a tweet, it makes certain people rush stuff and then they don't get their point across like they meant to. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like if you have something that important to say, record an interview, do a, like even do a pocket, like do something, do a small YouTube video, go live on Instagram, go live on Facebook, go live on Periscope, which is Twitter and say what you got to say. But once you limit yourself, what is Twitter? 140 characters still, or what did they up it? 280. Yeah. So in 280 characters, you have a statement like that to put out and you're shortening words. You're trying to leave words out. And then people just can take your tweet and misconstrue it. But I know at least people I talked to took it the absolute wrong way. I mean, they were like, how can you chastise these kids for sitting out? And I don't think that's what he meant to do, especially because his son is about to enroll in um, at FAU, I believe. That's where he just committed. And it's like, well, I don't think he would do that because he coaches high school football. Like He coaches one of the best high schools in Florida. And... Now you think I I don't know where he was going with it, but I don't think he meant anything bad by it. But I know that it was taken completely, completely wrong by everybody. Right. And of course, the last thing I just want to mention in the second before we move on is Trevor Lawrence is the biggest advocate for college football. Of like you would figure that someone who's already in the conversation for the greatest college quarterback of all time wouldn't mind not playing. This dude might want to play more than anybody else in college football, and I do not know why. Right. Dude, he – look, I don't understand what he's trying to prove. Um, I get he wants to get back out there. He wants to show everybody what he can do. And I think this kind of speaks to your whole thing about how you you think he's staying for four years. I mean, he, he seems to be pretty locked in. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. But, guys, we're going to go ahead move on here. Third segment of the day. Keep this episode rolling. We're go- It's the segment we started last uh, episode. Almost every conference has released their schedule for next season. I think we're only waiting on the Big 12 out of all the Power Fives, I believe. And so Brandon and I are breaking down each conference's schedule. Check out last episode for ACC. We're not going to make our official predictions yet. Stay tuned. Those are coming. But we're going to debate on who got screwed by this new schedule, who got, who, who has the easiest schedule, and you know who caught just the most unlucky breaks of all time. Brandon, let's start with what team has the easiest schedule in the Pac-12 right now. Um, th- this one was kind of tough for me 
because it is the Pac-12, I guess, um, is why I'm going to say it's a little tough for me. Uh, I don't know that this even kind of compares to, like, even the ACC, right? Uh, because the ACC was, I don't know, uh, the ACC was uh, was at least, I mean, there's, there's Clemson, uh, there's, well, what we thought Miami was going to be, there's Pitt. Uh, I mean, there's all kind of options there. Like, it can be tough. And so you want me to choose the easiest, I guess, right now? That's what you said? Yeah, yeah, the easiest. But well, it's also hard, like, uh, before you start that, like, I th- I, the Pac-12 plays, uh, unlike the ACC who added Notre Dame, the Pac-12 plays everybody. Except I think every they opponent miss, plays they, they They miss one team. Yeah, yeah, so I was about to say, yeah, they only don't play one team. So it's like... Yes, like there's the five best teams in the in, in the conference. Like mostly everyone plays at least four of them, and so yeah. it's really really hard to distinguish. So I, for me at least, I don't know if you did this. I I looked really really hard at where the game was played and in what order the games were played and where that bye week was strategically placed for some teams. Yeah. I, I feel like that was the only way to do it. Well, at first I was like, well, let's find the team that that misses Oregon, and that's UCLA. And then you realize that UCLA still has to play uh, has to play Utah and and Washington State, who's going to be decent. They have to play USC, and all those games are at home, but they still have to play them. You know, they didn't. I mean, I get that they missed Oregon, but they didn't get a single. I guess they didn't get a single one of those on the road. Um, I'm kind of talking myself into that one. I'm going with UCLA. I think they got. It. I think they got kind of a break here. They don't have to play Oregon. Uh, they don't play Oregon. They get USC at home. They get Washington State at home. Utah at home. Uh, the the toughest game, I guess, for them is going to be an away game at Washington. Um, other than that, I mean, their away games are Oregon State, Cal, <laughs> Colorado, and then Arizona State's another semi tough one. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I went with uh, for the easiest for me. I went with Cal, and. Yes, I know what you're thinking. This team plays USC. This team plays Oregon. It plays Arizona State. It plays Utah. Those are arguably four of the best teams in the Pac-12, but they get most of these at home. Their one tough one, I think, is at USC Week 2. That's the biggest road test this team faces, but their other road games are Oregon State. They're going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be – I don't think they're going to compete for the Pac-12. They play Washington State. They lost Mike Leach. They lost Anthony Gordon. That's, that team's going to be rebuilding next year. Arizona's of dumpster fire. We've already talked about Arizona on this podcast and how much we hate Kevin Sumlin. And then you get Arizona State, which I think is a very, very good team who's a dark horse. But Cal is also a dark horse, so I think that's going to be a good game. And three of their road games are against the lowest-tier Pac-12 talent. And... You know, I, I think that's what gives Cal the nod here. And, Brandon, they do play Oregon, but they get their bye week right before Oregon. Right. And yes. so that gives them two weeks to prepare for Oregon. And then their other big game against Utah, they get Arizona, who's arguably the worst team in the Pac-12 the week before. Yeah, I mean. So they get two breaks, and I think this is Cal. Like, if you if you didn't catch my appearance yesterday – on I guess appearance on couch uh, couch coach live, go check that out. I think Cal is probably the sneakiest team in the Pac-12 in terms of their potential, and this schedule only further helps them in the long run. And Brandon, I don't know if you did honorable mentions again. I did, 
And I think Oregon had a huge benefit um, in terms of their schedule because they get Arizona State, Washington, and USC at home, which are their three toughest opponents. And if fans are allowed, which is going to be mind-blowing if it is, that's even a bigger advantage. Um, They do get Cal and Utah on the road, but let's just say I I think Utah lost a lot of talent to the draft. I mean, Bradley Anae and Zach Moss aren't going to be replaced overnight. So I still think Oregon has the advantage there. And like I said, Cal's a dark horse, but are you taking a dark horse or a proven contender like Oregon who literally almost made the playoffs last year? I'm taking Oregon every single time. Yeah, and before Arizona State, Brandon, they get Washington State, who's rebuilding. They get a bye week before Washington, arguably one of their toughest games. And then they get Stanford, who just lost a quarterback, and they're in this like weird in-between place between rebuilding and competing. They get them before Utah, so they don't have two really tough games back-to-back on their schedule. And for them being probably the most talented team on paper, they got a big break here in this new schedule. Yeah, they definitely did. And so I know when I was trying to talk myself out of UCLA, um, I, you know, the team that I originally picked was Oregon, uh, who had the easiest schedule. And you know, if you heard any of my reasoning as to why uh, UCLA has the easiest schedule now or caught the biggest break now is because they don't have to play Oregon. Well, Oregon also doesn't have to play Oregon. And Oregon gets to play Colorado, uh, Washington at home, uh Arizona State at home, USC at home, Stanford at home. I mean, yeah. everything you just said, it just, I don't know. And so, yeah, I, I, I fully agree with you there. Yeah, and, you know, I always hate putting you first, man. I feel like I always have set you up for failure on this podcast. Um, I'll go ahead and start with the hardest schedule here. I, dude, listen, it, it, I know that I know we're going to get to this when we get to the SEC schedule about some teams who should lead the SEC because they didn't care about their feelings. Um, this poor Washington Huskies team, man. <laughs> Holy crap. Are you serious? Yeah, so it's tough. You, you have a team with a brand new a first ever. Like he's, he's brand new at head coaching. He was a defensive coordinator in Jimmy Lake. You get a brand new quarterback trying to replace an NFL talent. You get a new offensive coordinator and you have to replace people on both sides of the ball. Your top corner in, um, oh man, Elijah Molden just opted out of the 2020 season. So you get absolutely in a full rebuild. And your four row games are Cal, Oregon, Utah, and USC, which are four of the five best teams in the Pac-12, and you're the fifteen. Like <laughs> that's, I mean, so you're going to trust a first-year quarterback, head coach, and offensive coordinator to go on the road against some of the most talented teams in a conference in a COVID alter season where this quarterback hasn't had any time to build relationships with his offensive coordinator or wide receivers. You have a first-time head coach who's trying to get the program up under, and not only that, he's trying to replace a whole, a future Hall of Fame coach in Chris Peterson. Yeah, no, and this is this was also my pick, Washington. I don't know. And and the thing is, at least the SEC did the smart thing. You know, we talked about that. You and I have talked about the SEC off air, um, and how, uh, and how I guess Missouri made somebody very upset because their their schedule is just <laughs> the worst. Yes. Them, them and Arkansas because Arkansas has to play Georgia and Florida, I believe. So it, it, I don't know. I don't know who they upset, but. Wh- 
Pac-12 can't even get this right because they scheduled Washington, who's potentially, you know, they always finish toward the top of the Pac-12. They gave them the hardest schedule by far. Yeah, it so, was almost hard to do an honorable mention because it was hard to compare to how bad Washington got screwed. Right. I mean, and Brandon, not even that. So you're like, okay, well, they have to have some easy games. Everyone does. Yeah, they get Washington State and Colorado, but they're both on a Friday night. They get two Friday night games, which is always a recipe for madness in the Pac-12. A Pac-12 after dark game on a Friday is the worst case scenario for a team. I mean, and the two teams they get are two teams with first-year head coaches as well where you don't know what they're going to pull out of the bag. We've seen first-year head coaches exceed expectations, and you get Washington State and Colorado yeah. on a Friday night. And so <laughs> so these are two teams, no expectations whatsoever. So they're going to throw everything at you. And I think this is a recipe for absolute disaster for Washington. Here. I would much rather have a Oregon game on a Friday night than two teams who don't care and can just absolutely throw everything at you because that is that's more dangerous than anything to me. Right? No, you're you're absolutely right. That's crazy. And I'm sure I, I, we might have the same honorable mention. Poor Utah, man. Yeah. I mean, good lord, because their last five their last five games, guys, Arizona State. Washington, Cal, USC, and Oregon. Right. In a row. No bye weeks. They got to play back to back to back to back with these guys. And it, it only makes it worse, Brandon. USC's on a Friday night. Why so they, get a, they-, they get a short week in the midst of a five-game stretch against five of the top six teams Why? in the Pac-12. Well, I've never understood, and I, I love Mac. I love the Mac. I love Maction. Um, and I love that they schedule games in the middle of the week, but I'll never understand why schools do this. I, I mean, college football is on Saturday night. I get that they want to be on TV, but like you're me- like these kids are students. <laughs> you're just taking them on the road on a on a Tuesday night, or like they have to leave on Friday, maybe Thursday to go play this game. If you're in the Pac-12, I mean, that's just to me it, it spells disaster. And to make it worse, Brandon, they get a Friday night game on the road against USC out in L.A. The next week, they go on the road again to Oregon. So they get the two best teams in the Pac-12 on the road back-to-back. Right. That's nuts. Are you kidding me? And then a huge trap game. We talked about Friday night games. They also are one of the teams that get two Friday night games, and they get UCLA the week before a bye week, right before they head into this brutal stretch. Utah could be looking forward to that bye week, and UCLA could smack them. Right, right. It's this is going to be brutal, man. I feel bad for. I mean, you put you gave two of your top contenders the hardest schedules in the conference. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. <laughs> I don't understand the Pac-12 is trying to self implode at this point. Like, I they always self implode every single season, and I I didn't know what to attribute it to. But I guess it's the I guess it's the uh, leadership at this point, right? It, it, it's something, man. But uh, you know, the Pac-12 is going to be an interesting place this year, man. I mean, we're going to do our previews for conferences really soon, and I am super excited for the Pac-12 because I think there's some dark horses, but 
looking at the schedules, man, there are some teams who have some real gripes. And, you know, next episode, we're going to cover the SEC. And I know Brandon has some takes on the SEC schedule because there are two teams that I would just cancel my football program with that schedule. There's no reason to play anymore. No, guys, that is going to be a wrap on this episode. Um, we appreciate all you guys listening, man. We wanted to be on time for once on a Monday, improve everybody's Monday for a little bit. We'll both be at work. I know we both would rather be anywhere else than at work. Um, but listen, guys, social media, Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pie, Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Big announcement. Um, your boy. Uh, made an appearance on another podcast yesterday. It's out everywhere. It's out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Anchor, uh, look up Couch Coach Live. Um, I did a Pac-12 preview with him. Um, he was dope, man. It was such an awesome appearance. And we're in the works. Me and B-Dub are making another appearance. And, you know, any chance we get to, you know, talk about college football, I feel like we're both going to jump at it. But go check out his podcast. Give it five stars. And while you at it, go ahead and give us five stars. Rate it. Tell everybody about the podcast, man. We appreciate all you guys tuning in. Um, you guys keep tuning in, giving us a reason to do this. We're going to keep dropping episodes to the end of time. But for right now, we out.